0: What's up guys, this is Corey Baker from Baker Forging Tool. In my business, we do tons of heavy grinding every single day, and we needed a grinder that could take abuse and keep on trucking without slowing down billet production. The Ameribraid Variable Speed 2x72 is just that. On top of all of this, their customer support is outstanding. Eric and Kevin are always available and fast to help with any situation. If you're in the market for a top-of-the-line grinder, or maybe just an accessory to add to your existing setup, go to ameribraid.com and use the code HUSTLE100 for 100 bucks off any grinder package. Alright, next up, the Hustle & Grind Podcast.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hustle and Grind podcast. This is your host, not Ryan, but it's Brigham, and I'm here, joined by Noah. And also, we got Ben from Ben Cuts Knives, Cutlery, Knives, Cutlery Knife or works.
2: something
1: like that. <laughs> Knifeworks. Dang it. Okay. How's everybody doing?
3: Doing great. Dang. Thanks,
4: Brigham. That was good.
3: <laughs> yeah fantastic <laughs> i'm excited to be here actually
4: almost didn't happen. Was, it almost didn't happen yeah so uh, apparently the uh, the power in australia is is something that's kind of difficult to to get to work so this is entirely powered by the sun if the sun fails then this podcast will end basically is what's happening right now
3: well I, the, the podcast can continue it just won't continue with me and my wonderful <laughs> presence that's all <laughs>
4: Fair enough. So I actually didn't know for the longest time. Your last name actually is Cuts. So Ben Cuts Knifeworks is like of all the knife maker names out there, I think you won. Like you you win, no, right? Like No, I have not. Who, who's, so, got, who's got a better last name for a knife maker?
3: So a, a really good uh, friend, friend of mine over in WA, um, he is a knife maker. His name is Flynn Sharp.
4: Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, That's a good sharp one. He, is a good he one.
1: He you should have, he you should have married a lady whose last name was Sharp. Then you could have hyphenated.
4: Yeah, no,
3: sharp. Yeah, well, he he's he's a good looking dude, but um, yeah, <laughs> he he likes girls. Yeah. I like girls, so it doesn't completely work. But now he's a he's a brilliant maker out of uh, WA, actually, and uh, one to yeah, fin sharp knife shimflat, Phoenix sharp shop. I'm pretty sure on Instagram.
4: <laughs> oh, that was beautiful. So, all right, I'm just going to go ahead and address the elephant in the, the room here. So Ben is actually upside down right now. So he's on the other side of the world on this little tiny island continent known as Australia. And that's why his voice sounds so funny. And if you've listened to this podcast before, you know, me, you've, You've heard me speak before, and you know that anytime we have a guest that has an accent, or anytime I'm talking to somebody in person that has an accent, I have this really bad habit of mimicking their accent without trying. It just it just happens, and that this is going to be a tough episode for me. So, listeners, please bear with me. This is going to be really tough for me to just speak in my normal voice without trying to accidentally mimic his accent. So I'm going to do my best though. I'm going to do my best. So Ben, why don't we just start and just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. So like, what kind of knives do you make? Um, how long have you been doing it?
3: Yeah, so I've been doing knife making for maybe five years. I'm located in a small country area uh, in remote South Australia called Renmark. Basically, the River Murray, from where I'm living right now, it's probably five minutes by walk and about a minute's drive away. Um, I work across the border as an almond farmer and I make kitchen knives, particularly Japanese-inspired kitchen knives, and I've pretty much Learned everything I know from pestering people like you, Noah, um, <laughs> or or other makers from around Australia that I look up to, or even even throughout the world, um, and basically learned everything online by paying attention to pictures and what they do in
4: pictures <laughs> So you have no like in-person formal training or anything at all.
3: My most Lengthiest formal training was with the bloke who I'd consider my mentor, uh, Barry Gardner, out of Gardner Knives. So I scored uh, three two-day workshops. Was it four three-day two-day workshops with him um, in Seppelsfield, which is about two hours away, two and a half hours away, um, where we sort of made Damascus and, and made a knife, um, and then from there, yeah, he basically. Every time I stopped in a visit, it was a chat about knives for an hour, and here, take this crap with you, which was usually, you know, some offcuts of Damascus or a, a block of timber that he'd messed up, or occasionally he'd have like students from his classes that would stop making a knife or or whatever, and or didn't continue on with the knife they were made, so he'd throw, you just throw things at me, yeah, go go do something with this, make a knife. Um, so, yeah, that's probably about my only formal training. I've never attended a hammer-in. I've done two knife shows, Adelaide knife show, uh, two years in a row. And that's pretty much it.
4: Right on, man. That's awesome. So, and, you know, uh, for the American Adelaide, listeners, right? like and uh, and earlier
3: – Sorry. Yeah, so I'm about two and a half, three hours from Adelaide. Um, yeah, I don't like going to Adelaide very often. There's there's too many people.
4: So fun. you're one of us then.
3: Yeah, I I, no, I no, don't like us. people. Like <laughs> I I'd, I'd live on Pluto, but I'd have some arsehole scientist fly past as I'm taking my bin out with no pants on, just to take <laughs> some photos. And yeah, it's too many people.
4: Yeah. Fair enough, man. <laughs> So I was just going to say earlier um, when you were talking about what you do for a day job, there was uh, a word you said there that our American listeners probably didn't catch. Uh, he said he's an almond farm- farmer, um, just just so everyone's aware, because the first couple times when I was talking to him and he said that word, I had no idea uh, what it was that he's saying. I had to I had to work it out. Um, so America, no formal training. Uh, tra-
3: what? Uh, well, just, just hold, hold on. Uh, America, California controls almonds there's those little little tiny nuts yeah. that are really tasty california produces i think 90 percent of um of, of almond harvesting equipment they dictate the price of almonds everything
4: Oh, sorry. I wasn't trying to say that like we don't know what almonds are. It was just the way oh, okay. that you said it. It was very quick. Uh, very quick and with such a, you know, your, your accent there. It was just difficult to, to understand you. That's all.
3: Oh, thank God for that because I was like, wait, you guys don't know well, what almonds are? You guys know what are? almonds are,
4: right? Yeah, no, okay. oh, yeah we God. We, we, drive, on, we drive on a different side of the street. Yeah. That's true. We do. Yeah. <laughs>
3: whew, okay, cool, nah, that's all right, like, yeah.
4: I can see you panicking there a little bit, like, does he not know what an almond is? Like, what the?
3: Yeah, and I I was going to, like, roll in with the whole, you know, I milk the almonds, like, but then I was like, shit, what if he doesn't actually know what the fucking almond is? Like, crap. (laughs) That joke's, like, going to go way overhead, like, God. (laughs)
4: It's okay. There are differences between the U.S. and and and, uh, and Australia, but we do we do have almonds in common, I suppose. Uh, but let's, <laughs> keep, let's keep talking about kn- knives here for a second. Um, so you primarily make kitchen knives. What uh, what what kind of inspired you to take that route versus other types of knife making?
3: I I don't know really. Partly, I guess the uh, I'm trying to think of the word like what everyone expects a hunter to sort of kind of be someone who's an outdoorsy kind of person and a real blokey kind of bloke here in Australia that's very much where I am at least is very much connected to to the culture so really sort of tough manly man who drinks a lot doesn't mind getting into a Punch up, you know, likes cars, etc., and you know that's not exactly me. For for me, I like I like going outdoors. I like fishing, that kind of thing. Uh, I'm a very sort of conscious whenever I have to shoot an animal, that kind of thing, kind of person where I, I don't do it out of need. But there comes that stigma when you turn around and go. I like hunting knives and people kind of put you with that and then put you with that. Oh, he's a bit of, he might be a bit dangerous for me. I like cooking. I'm not very good at it. I don't do it very often, but I like cooking. Um, I like the Japanese culture without getting too weird into liking Japanese culture. I like, I like the landscape. I I like the architecture. I like, you know, I, I like those running streams that are drains with moss on them and, and that kind of thing. I, I like the gardens, the landscape. So that sort of became part of part of that as well. So the artistry the the love of those simple elegant lines that come with with those kitchen knives and people look after kitchen knives. More so than hunting knives.
4: Okay, there we go. Uh, In my more mind,
3: so. <laughs> yeah. My mind justification, you know, I grind really, really thin on my knives. And one of the ways I'll test an edge is like I'll grind down to where it started to to ch- like chip away and fray on that edge when you know that it's it's past being an edge and it's now jagged. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll start to, to knock that back bit by bit. And once I get it down to 0.1 of a mil, millimetre thick, so really, really fine. So basically I can cut myself with it. I'll start mm-hmm. knocking it on the side of my vice. And it's got one of those stupid little flat anvil tops on them. It's absolute shit. You never use it as an anvil. But I'll keep going back to the grinder to take that edge back until it's no longer denting. Or taking a chip. Once I'm at that stage, I'm like, "Cool, there we go." And so, trying to take something that thin and try and take that out bush and hack away at a red gum branch or a Gigi branch—that nice fucked. It's can see done. That, yeah, you know it's. But in the kitchen, the chances aren't as high <laughs> that that's going to happen.
4: So still the odd, odd bone that it might hit or something like that, but uh, yeah. it's not going to get hacked at it. Hopefully, yeah. So you know, uh, one Do you sorry. have a, a conversion for us?
1: Yeah, thanks to good old Google, point uh, one mil is uh, a thousand. Or uh, uh, I I can't ever say these ten thousandths. A so ten thousand zero 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 one. Point zero 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 one. I used to be a machinist. You think I'd know how to say these <laughs> things? When I say yeah, a machinist, I mean I used weird. to run CNC machines. Not, not actually a machinist, but no,
3: no that's a machinist. Oh, half numbers and then thousands and millions and it, it's point one of a mil. You go, oh, yeah, that's 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 thin. Whereas you go a oh, one thousandth, you're like. I don't know. That might be really super thin,
4: but you know. Yeah. yeah but we know what it means. So it, it works for us. So it's, it's fine.
3: Yeah. I guess. Still, really. <laughs> well, you drive yeah. on the wrong side of the road. So, I mean, you know. If, if I remember correctly, you guys are the only ones who drive on that side of the road. You are the only guys who use Imperium. We're talking.
4: No, Imperial, that's you're correct. Imperial, you're correct. But the the driving on the right side of the road uh, is not just the U.S. It's pretty much all of North America. There's a couple of countries in Europe that also drive on the right-hand side of the road. Um, it's not it's not just us. There's quite a few. It's, okay,
3: but anyone in any important country sort of drive. On <laughs> outside the road.
1: Really, <laughs> I, I love the, <laughs> the you were a, you did a, a video on your uh, Instagram talking about how hot it was, and you said it was forty six Celsius, like real numbers, or yep. <laughs> real temperature, or something like that. That made me laugh. That made me laugh. I love the chance.
4: Yeah, so here is the problem that I have with Celsius as a measurement. So, and this was I actually saw a comedian do a stand up about this which was something along the lines of if you're going to set your house temperature and it was, shoot, I don't know. Let, I have no idea what the conversion would be, but it was like 38 degrees Celsius or 40 degrees Celsius or something like that. It's like, well, the difference, is that really hot? You, you got a face like that's really hot. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. What's, what's, what's a general room, what's general room temperature in Celsius, like a comfortable house temperature.
3: Um, I'll set mine to like 24, 25 degrees. Celsius, so it's a it's a nice mild spring sort of day. Something where you could get away with a t shirt and shorts, or you could have a jumper on with just shorts. Like yeah, you're not going to be super
4: hot. So so the comedian explained it like this, something along the lines of, if you're going to set your house to twenty five degrees. If you were in Fahrenheit, that's anywhere from like 68 to 71 degrees. So ours is more precise because the difference between a 68 degree house and a 71 degree house, at least here in the States, is pretty different. Especially if you ask a woman, because if <laughs> there there are certain women that I, I know to that, work that the difference between 68 and 71 is very different. Yeah. What was they're, that they're, isn't that just a woman I, I used to work
1: with a lady when it was like 100 degrees outside which is probably around that 46 mark you're talking about um she would turn the heater on at work and it would make every like this lady almost got fired for it because she kept doing it and even though they told her to stop touching the thermostat
3: if if I remember from talking to an upcoming guest, actually, um, I think between 90 and 110 is between sort of like the, the low to mid 30
4: degrees. 37,
1: yeah. it looks like, is 100 degrees. Fahrenheit is 37.7778, thanks to Google.
3: Yeah. See, so in, in Celsius, like past zero it's freezing like zero you know i have my freezer set to you know minus five and i'm i can freeze water it's a bit slow that's how cold it is
4: outside right now yeah
3: but you guys are like for you like zero it's still not quite freezing i think uh yeah that's that's right it's up
4: yeah. Sorry. It's, it's minus two or three outside right now. So that would be, I don't know what that would be for you. Probably minus 10 or 12, I would guess. 18. But yeah, I mean, it's just different ways of looking at it. You know, it's just different cultures I I and mean, we don't have to fight about it. I use metric all the time. I'm a mechanic. So all my sockets are in metric. I measure in metric all the time. I just don't <laughs> choose to use my temperature that way because mine's better.
3: And you know, what's really, really funny. You say, as a mechanic, you're using metric all the time. At work, whenever I have to fix one of my tractors, I'm using imperial all the time. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a John Deere? My New Holland and John Deere. No, no. I, I don't like John Deere very much. Um, are imperial. Dare you. However, some of those parts have to be made, like spare parts are made here in Australia. So those come with the metric conversion which are, well, it might be slightly smaller so you're doing like a I can't remember so we'll say 15 16 bolt which I think is 13 mil so you 15
4: 16 is definitely 25 mil or 24 sorry
3: okay yep thanks I, yeah, <laughs> that that was the other number I was thinking of because I only used it yesterday um, and then you'll go to use that same one and it's slightly too small so you're like yeah Crap, And it's like the next bolt down. You're like, oh, crap. So you got to swap over 20 fuel, 4 mil spanner. Yep, done. Really?
4: Yeah, yes. we had this lovely conversion that happened in the United States right around, I'd say probably between 1990 and mm, 96, 97, where every vehicle has both standard and metric bolts on it. And you'd be working on something and everything is standard. And then you just get to this one random bolt that's metric, and it's like in the middle of all these other ones. It's it's the worst. So
3: yeah. we we went through that like, as well. Wheel studs, and you've got like seven wheel studs that are all imperial, and you then you have one that's metric, and you're like,
4: why? Oh, I've never seen that.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why? <laughs> but uh, do, do you guys want to generate some hate? Uh, well, you-
4: first. What's that?
3: Well, I, I, see if we can get some Instagram hatred popping up.
4: Uh, we do that all the time. But if you got something else, let's let's hear it. John Deere.
3: If you if you're ever going to get a green tractor, John Deere is the wrong green. You want to get Fent all the way. Let's see how, see if that stirs up any trouble.
2: I've never well, heard. Nobody's going to listen
4: to you. Nobody's going to listen to you because you're an Australian. And you don't really know anything. So, uh, what is Fent?
3: fence a german i think made tractor or it's up there in, okay. in that german area it's the lamborghini of tractors it not only can i get in and like i can spread my legs i can stretch my legs out in front of me air I lamborghini was the
4: lamborghini of tractors No, no lamborghini
3: is a shit tractor really? it's almost like a yeah, it's almost like a Kubota, like they make great lawnmowers, um, but yeah, if I have to to, to choose tractors, the vent all every day. Like you'll spend four hundred grand on a on a John Deere, I'll spend. I can't spend four hundred grand on a vent. Like yeah, good luck. I think we got ours on special for about four fifty.
4: I think off the top of my head. Gotcha. So you get what you pay for then, is what you're saying. Yeah, brilliant. looks like they have
1: North America dealers too. Yeah, programmable,
4: everything
3: I can program. So an arm and row anywhere from 500 meters to a kilometer long, I can program that. So I hit one button. It will set my slasher or or whatever gear plant on the back to the right height, set the RPM, set the, the rev range. For, for that material um, that plant rather. Um yeah. Let it do its thing, hit another button, it stops it, lifts it up. Everything. It's fantastic. I don't have to think. Let's press a button. It's why it's I fall really asleep good. so many times. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Well, I don't know anything about tractors, so I'm not going to argue no. with you. Um, I know that there are probably a lot of our listeners that are big John Deere fans, but I'm sorry, guys. I'm not going to defend John Deere here because I don't have anything to say.
3: Yeah.
4: Uh, what I am going to say is something that I do know something about is buying steel, and I buy steel a lot. In fact, I just did buy some. And Do you want to know where I bought it from?
3: I'm going to guess that you got it from
2: Maker Material. Wrong. Maritime. Maritime. Grind is sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply. That's the one. Whether you're looking for steel, abrasives, handle material, forges, epoxy, or anything for making in general, Maritime Knife Supply has you covered. And in the U.S. or Canada, they ship faster than the great cobra chicken gooses that their country is known for. Go to Maritime Knife Supply, and when you buy a 10-pack of belts, get 10% off. And tell
3: them we sent you eh? thanks hey. luke <laughs> i've been wanting to do
2: that forever
4: <laughs> thanks luke and the reason that i buy from maritime knife supply is not only because he's a sponsor of the show i was buying steel from him before i was even on this show and the reason for that is because the dude is awesome i met him in person he's a great guy and he's a maker too he supports the community and we support him but When I'm buying steel, it's a little bit selfish because the dude will cut my lengths for me. So I can go onto his website. I can select what steel I want, the thickness, the width, select buy it by the foot. And then in the order notes say, hey, can you please cut this to sections so that I can make my Damascus without having to wear out all those stupid bandsaw blades that I hate changing out and all that other stuff. It all comes pre-cut and I love it. So go check out Maritime Knife Supply. For steel or really anything else, because he literally has everything. So there you go. I
3: actually have to make some kind of contact with him to see if I, he can source those boride um, engineering stones that I use to sand my blades with. Um, oh, he was the, actually uh,
4: the sanding stones. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Just because I can't get them here in Australia um, and I'm running very low and they are brilliant. So, so
4: what were you? So, so we're talking about sanding stones. Everybody kind of knows what those are. They they come in little strips, and it's great for getting last minute scratches out of your blades and stuff like that. But there was a particular bore. You said boride. What was different about those than like the regular ones that the rest of us probably are already using?
3: So from what I I understand, they are a dye makers dye mold makers stone um, stone to clear out. I don't know what that used to clear out, to be honest. But these ones that I had originally bought were yellow, um, and I think they were CS markings on them. They're quite harder. Um, mm. So the ones that I can buy are usually aluminium oxide, and they're quite soft. So you wear away faster. And they only I can only supply... Um, the smaller ones they're, they're they're really quite small so when you're trying to do a, like a big chef knife with you know a 50 mil heel on it you're only getting you know five mil at most um so it's a lot of work
4: oh,
3: whereas yeah. these the boride brand that i was i was using um i can get i think that's like one inch i think because it's american it's about a one inch strip
4: mm-hmm.
3: um so i can get more more area um and those yellow ones I found don't cause more scratches. So I've got another one which is in the same family tree, but it's a, just a tiny bit softer. Um, I think it might be CA, I can't remember, uh, but it's a blue stone. If, if I stand on the one spot for too long without moving, it will cause a really deep gouge in it. The yellow ones don't do that because they're, harder
4: interesting yeah because i have had that issue with some of the stones that i have where it starts to gouge it and then you're sitting there pulling strokes forever to try and clean out the scratches that you induced by trying to get out the other scratch so it's it can yeah. be you gotta troublesome, keep them, as it were
3: gotta keep them moving all times and they, they are brilliant like um i'll use rhino wet um like a 240 grit to start with just to get myself nice and flat So I'll Mm -hmm. use like a a bigger piece so I can cover the whole blade. Um, And then, yeah, I'll go to stones 320, 400, 600 before I do my final sand with with a sandpaper just so I can clean it all up and it just makes it a little prettier before, you know, checking to make sure all my marks are out and um, I can do those final stroke passes, those full stroke passes for a nice satin finish, six or 800 grips.
4: See gotta love it. Yeah. That rhino wet. I mean, I don't think we've really talked much on the show before about rhino wet, but it really is the absolute best sandpaper that you can get. I have some other stuff that I've used, um, for years that I just, when I first started knife making, I just bought, I can't even remember one of the abrasive companies was selling this, you know, just sheets of sandpaper. And I just bought a pack of it and all the grits and I had, Gotten my hands on some Rhino Wet from Lawrence, I think actually, and so I just used that kind of like whenever I needed it or whatever. But I was just struggling to get these scratch pattern aligned a while ago, and I think it was at 240 or something on this other paper, and all I had was 320 with the Rhino Wet, and at 320 the Rhino Wet cut better than the 240 that I was using of this other brand. Like that's how much better it is. Like you can just, yeah. you can feel it cutting into the metal and like doing more than any other brand. And it just lasts longer and it does, does more at any grit than, than other brands. So it really is well, worth a little bit extra money. Go ahead. And up. I
1: feel like you could fold it and it doesn't like fracture in so many weird yeah. spots. Like yeah. the other paper does. Like when I fold, I get this every once in a while I'll, I'll be short and I'll go grab, some stuff from the hardware stores and it's like Gator something. And it's supposed to be a wet sandpaper. I fold that in half and it looks like freaking hell broke open and black crap goes everywhere.
4: Yeah. The the abrasive itself uh, actually fractures. It breaks and has like this weird creased line. Whereas the, the rhino, rhino wet stays flexible and you can get into the like corners. If you're doing plunge lines, that sort of thing. And it doesn't give you a weird finish.
3: The other thing, too, just just for for people who may need it, need to at times, check your auto body, um, especially paint places. So, locally, like I don't have a great deal here, but locally, I can go pick up uh, Sunmite brand and Eagle brand, which is a Japanese brand used in, again, uh, for paint prep on car bodies. They're fantastic. They're not as good. But for the price, they they do a bloody good job, um, and I've used them when I've been out of Rhino. Where or yeah, we, we our hardware store here, big one is is Bunnings, and they do FlexoFit, I think, um, and it's shit. I, I completely understand. And then even some of the, like the car was, uh, AutoZone, super cheap, mm. which you guys probably have no idea about. But you know those where you can go in and buy whatever. You need for for your car. They've got we have uh, n- uh, Norton Black Ice. I think it was absolutely horrible. Does doesn't last for more than two or three passes. And yeah, but yeah, auto paint places uh, usually will have a pretty decent sandpaper if you get stuck
4: or if you're a beginner well, or that. But the best way to go about it would be to go to phoenix abrasives because they carry rhino wet and that's where i have bought my rhino wet from and it's crazy it comes in these packs and i don't know how many sheets are in a pack it's like 50 or 100 you're going to cut that into strips and use that for your sanding because you know you use like a sanding sticker i've got one of uh kyle daly's sanding buddies and i use that for all my hand sanding so i cut them into you know like three inch strips That freaking sandpaper is going to last me forever, Um, but it's still relatively inexpensive, and you can get a discount by using Hustle 10, and I think this is an appropriate time to play this.
2: Hustle and Grind podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Abrasives, your one-stop abrasive shop. When you go to phoenixabrasives.com, click the shop icon in the upper right-hand corner to find all the abrasives you'll ever need. Check out the Incinerator thirty six grit ceramic belts, along with the Trizact Gator belts that the hosts of Hustle and Grind use every day. When you check out, use code Hustle ten for ten percent off your entire order.
3: Thanks, Luke. Okay.
4: <laughs> okay, sorry to pelt Sorry to pelt you guys with ads, but like we were actually talking about it, so I figured it was a good time to drop yeah. in the ad because, yeah, I freaking love that Rhino Wet stuff, and I've I've replaced all my other sandpaper with the Rhino Wet from Phoenix Abrasive. So, um, and another good have tip, you used
1: the sticky stuff yet? The rolls, the sticky stuff. Yeah, I that's
2: haven't. What I
4: don't at the moment. I don't think I want to. I don't think I want my sandpaper sticking to my sanding stick. What what's the benefit? You guys actually like that?
1: I love it i love it so i cut it into little like it comes in a roll that's probably uh three inches wide and so i'll kit, cut one inch strips out of it and then stick it to my sanding stick then i don't have to hold the paper there it just stays there
3: See, um, I, I i got given my roll from barry gardner he just threw it at me one day when i was visiting and said here use this um yeah i i don't i don't use the sticky stuff at all i just yeah I just use a piece of aluminium bar that I've got and a bit of rubber epoxied on the other side for and swap and change depending on what I need. But yeah, I'll have yeah. to give the, the sticky sticky part a a good go.
4: I just don't know. I, I like I wrap it around the paper and then I just pin or wrap it around the sanding stick and I pinch it on the top, and that way I can always like keep moving it and like you know like if i get one spot that's got like a bunch of uh, metal debris built up in it i can kind of rotate it out and i don't know i just don't i don't want to be stuck in one place man i want to be free i want to be able to move the paper around just something about it just doesn't sit right with me you know what i mean
3: i i I think the good thing just thinking about it is you don't have those little extras that you've got to use you've got to have to hold your fingers on it you can stick it straight to that space on your your, your sanding stick so there's no wastage although me i then do one way and then take it off and then turn it and then use those little spare edges just to clean up whatever you know might be one single scratch that i'm working on
4: and then i wouldn't oh. feel like uh, oh hey i've got this little bit of abrasive that's still good on this one strip i better cut it off and stick it in this little basket over here so that i can use that again later and then probably never use it again it might eliminate yeah. that so that might be a good thing i don't know maybe yeah. it on to something
3: they, it does It does help, though, when you go to uh, sand choils, though, because it just seems to give that extra strength to that packing. So you don't unstick uh, it. But it just gives you – it's like taping it up, really, I think.
4: That's Unless maybe point. I'm you too soft. Sand to you sand choils mm-hmm. with it, Brigham?
1: Yes. Yes.
4: Okay. So for well, that,
1: like, what I'll do is I'll stick some off the side a little bit and I also have the, the little sanding stick from Kyle Daly. So I stick it off the side a little bit and just kind of like roll it into that choil to get it yeah. Like I always end up with deeper scratches at my plunge line, like right at my plunge line.
2: Sure, That's how yeah. I end
1: up getting those out.
3: You want to know something really fantastic to get rid of scratches in plunge lines? Let's hear it. Yes. Don't have a plunge line. That's why I like Japanese knives. Well,
1: yeah, I was I was why, just why are you gonna here be like that, at man? your knives. <laughs> and uh, you know they I love your lines on your on your on your knives. I'm looking at one that you uh, it, it's a turquoise handle with like a gold um gold ring around it. I think you have the Lord of the Rings uh mountain song playing on the reel that it was on. Um and I, I had a question about your your handles. You you seem to do lots of wah and wah handles. But I'm not seeing a uh, dowel or anything. Are you using a dowel in there or is it just a hidden tang?
3: Yeah, yeah. So originally I was taught um, to basically drill through um, my slot, be very careful with the the slot. But then from there, the rest didn't matter so much because you'd fill it with epoxy. But I was having issues where I've got a really, really cheap, say so yours would be harbor freight brand sort of drill press. And I didn't listen to people who said don't use it as a mill. <laughs> and now it and now it is more it is the most inaccurate piece of equipment anybody could possibly ever own. It is horrible. Um, so I was never able to get my long deep holes drilled straight. So I'd always come out and my my knife tip would be off to the right or off to the left. And basically then I'd be sanding I'd find my center and then I would have to sand my handle to center the handle with the knife. If that makes sense. And well, it was I've done it many times.
4: So yeah, I I totally I am. still do it. <laughs> absolutely
3: absolutely handle like I <laughs> And it was, it was, it just drove me nuts. And I'm like, there's got to be a better way. And I'd seen someone else, um, Jeremy Haywood from Oblivion Blades here in Australia. He has mm-hmm. his Dow poking out. And I went, oh, that's kind of interesting. So I, I looked into it more and through Google found methods of how to do the Dow method for, for wire handles. And I went, okay, this is going to eliminate more than one issue will roll and hence I started rolling with that um yeah I I like the simplicity of wire handles um Mm -hmm. as much as you know people and and I really like this bloke I like this bloke a lot I I listen to him on another podcast and he's all about you know the the handle geometry and all that kind of stuff and shaping the handle and all that and he, he doesn't even care to like look at plain old wah handles, Um, but I love them. There's a reason the Japanese have been running with them for how many thousands of years? Hundreds of years? Decade? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because it works, and the amount of people that I'd have um, at the last two shows come and pick up my knives and go, oh, this is really, really different. Not only is it really different to everybody else, every other maker at the show, but sat differently in their hand and they would go, it doesn't want to roll, it doesn't want to twist. Yeah, yeah exactly. The only thing, the only bad part that I've come across is you you, you can't pinch grip, or you, well, you can, but it's it's uncomfortable. So I'd be like, you know, your customer's talking to you, I'm a line cook or whatever like that, and you're like, yeah, no, my knives are probably not for you. <laughs> if that's what you're looking for, for on the line at home, brilliant, because... You, you'll be able to get over that uncomfortableness with the pinch grip. But if you're cooking for four five hours, six hours online, no, nah. go, go to the dentist.
4: Is, is that just because of the 90-degree shoulder that you get with the octagonal handle? Is that what you're saying, basically?
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm also I'm, I'm on spectrum as well, so trying to change process for me is a very difficult thing. It's a big step for me to be able to change that. So hence my handles are all very similar. My shapes are all very similar. I, I get sort of stuck in that this is what I know and I'm going to make the best damn one I can. But I also Fair look enough. at of the reasons why I'm going to be making this. It has to serve a good purpose. It has to be functional. It has to be that sort of pinnacle so for me if I was doing sort of hunting knives I'd be looking at which knife is the best hunting knife profile for what purpose. And I'm going, okay, so more people use a general hunting knife for everyday use. So you, you we'll say drop point hunter. I'd focus on that. That would be all I made. Or everything points to skinners. They are what everyone in hunting uses, they all it's skinner. I would just make that
4: over and over and over again until it was over and over again
3: until I, yep.
4: Until I, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right on, man. Well, I think we've talked about knives more than we normally talk about knives on this show. Uh, Would you guys like to play a little game of fake news?
1: Yes. 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 All right.
4: Here we go. It's time for some fake news. Police warn that flushing drugs could create hyper-aggressive meth alligators. They say a man with no hands and no legs is armed and on the run. A man admitted to the hospital with 25 plastic toy horses inserted in his rectum. Doctors have described his condition as stable. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is time to play everyone's favorite game, fake news. I have three headlines in front of me. Two of them, unfortunately for you and the future of humanity, are entirely real. One of them, however, is fake facade, satire, fake news. We begin. Florida boy hauls in two .50 caliber Barrett sniper rifles on a fishing trip. Next up, man sues Dunkin' Donuts for $50,000, claims that the toilet exploded on him, covering him in excrement. And lastly, man proposes to his twin brother's girlfriend as a way to, quote, prank his brother. Quote, $2,500 well spent. Gentlemen.
1: So one fake one.
4: One fake one. Two are completely real. It's your job to decide.
3: Now, I've got a feeling that the, the, the twin one... Is quite plausible because you've, you've seen many, many videos with twins, triplets, etc. pranking people. I mean, the last one I saw on Instagram, some dude, you know, they'd walk in front and then when the person wasn't looking, they'd duck behind something and then the other person, you know, would come out somewhere else and the people would be like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, glitch so the it's, Matrix type thing. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that's... That that'd be, and like having a a twin brother, especially and knowing he probably wasn't that keen to get married just yet, was still working (laughs) through that sort of get to that phase. Uh, Let's let's fuck with him like (laughs) that. That'd be the perfect,
4: you know. It's a cruel prank too. Like if you think about it,
3: yeah, that that's yeah, collateral damage. Lots of repercussions
4: coming from that one.
3: But, yeah, that, it's not one you could top.
4: Like, yeah. Okay, so if you believe that one, which one's the fake one then?
3: The toilet one doesn't sound right. Because usually you, you flush down. And, I mean, if a toilet gets blocked,
4: like those pipes doesn't, are rated. Doesn't well, usually fine. explode.
1: I no. feel like I heard this story, though. The Dunkin' Donuts one? I feel like I heard it recently. Maybe I... Did I send it to you?
4: (laughs) Maybe. I don't know.
1: Oh, man. You did? What?
4: I did send it to you. I I wrote these notes before I knew you were coming on the show today. Yeah. (laughs) But, but but here's the thing I, you don't you don't know I, for sure whether it was a real story or not.
1: That's true because I don't ever search for them, right? Yeah, I, yeah. Now the, the two he pulled in two fifty caliber Barrett rifles on a fishing trip. Now, like, how how do you do that? Like you hook, he hooked into a
3: case of rifles. Hey, was uh, this a, was it a river or was it ocean?
4: Uh, see I know these things but I don't know if I should explore. I should just no, you get the headline that's all you get.
3: Cuz yeah, cuz that would can't... that would make a big difference cuz I can see someone potentially although it'd be kind of stupid cuz they're expensive rifles if I remember correctly like that. Yeah, 10 if I drop a
1: something. case of if I drop a case of Barrett's, I'm going after it. You know, yeah. like that's like that's like 20 grand. If there's two of them or at least 10 grand, like you just said, that's, that's not
3: ocean, I ocean know, fishing, man. trying to, if you're out with a rod and reel, hooking up to like one. But that's okay. not, what that's not what I said.
4: That's not what I said. That's not what I said. I said, the Florida boy hauls in two 50 caliber Barrett sniper rifles on a fishing trip. I didn't say anything about ocean. I didn't say anything about rod and reel. All I hmm. said was the, the, Maybe it was the headline fishing. You can you can determine yeah. whatever you want, Brigham. You could say that. I don't know. It's oh, crap. All you guys get is the headline. You don't get the particulars. You got to figure that out for yourselves.
1: You I'm, call I'm calling the Barrett one
3: fake.
4: Yeah, i got to go with the Dunkin'
3: Donuts just because I don't see how it explodes up unless someone's dropping like you guys okay. get cherry you ever bombs watch and the stuff. Goodies? Yeah, you yeah, that's what I'm good? thinking. Uh, it's like Simpsons where he's dropping cherry, uh, cherry bombs or firecrackers, or whatever, down the toilet and it makes them explode down the line. Like, yeah, but, yeah. I'll yeah. go with the Dunkin'
4: Donuts. Just. You're yeah, going, I'm going Dunkin' I'm
1: Donuts? Rifles.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, we got them. It was absolutely the man proposes to his twin brother's girlfriend as a way to prank his brother. That was the oh. thing. Uh I don't know how. Um, but yeah, he actually did haul in he was river magnet fishing, and he hauled in two Barrett rifles. Um great day for that kid. I don't know, like I figured that was probably gonna be the least believable because it was two of them. Two Barrett's. This dude, this kid Pulled out of the river. Um, shout out to OLC Knives for sending that one in. Thank you, sir. And then uh, Brigham Kendell sent in the uh, Dunkin' Donuts one. So uh, thank you, sir, for your contribution to the yeah, show. I was like,
3: wait a minute. <laughs> See, the most plausible so, one out of them all
4: is a twin pranking his twin.
1: And that's how I got you.
4: That's yeah. how I got you, man. That's what I Did do. Did you make
1: that up, Noah? Uh,
4: no, that was one – I don't think that was even sent to me. I think I saw it like as I was scrolling through Instagram and I just screenshotted it because I was like, I'll use this at some point. The problem is, here's the problem. The world has gotten to be a strange place. And Mm -hmm. I have a list, a beautiful list of things that people have sent me of great stories. The problem is, is that none of them were fake. They're all freaking real. I searched up so many of them expecting to find a fake one so that I, you know, because I got to have one fake one out of the three that I read out. I can't just, you know, give you guys the the list and be like, oh, jokes on you. There, there wasn't any fake ones. They were all real. Like every single ridiculous story that I've been sent have all been real. So I had to go digging, digging for this fake one. So well, to
3: have three real ones to, and and the breakdown of the reason why such and such one could be fake is brilliant. Like, the gun one, like Americans love guns. I mean, we got two we different do. kind of cultures when it comes to guns, so it's like yeah, it's, it's possible. Like expensive, but yeah, it's you know, it's that many of them. Mexican cartel come and did something across the border and got to get rid of their you know they're
4: i guess i guess i don't know how they ended up on that river uh i didn't read that far into the article but anyways thanks for playing guys um shoot we're already 50 minutes in and we haven't even played this or that um ben do you want to do you want to play this or that real quick
3: yeah why not let's let's all have right think so-
4: Sorry, listeners, we, we left all the the you know knife things in the in the beginning, and then we're saving all the fun stuff for the uh, for the end. Um, so, do you know how to play this or that? Have you played this or that before?
3: I have, I have listened to a lot of this show. It's all right, so you know exactly what to expect then. Yeah, this is one of three that I have on automatic download that I am a patron on, and the other one who reckons that that number one. I just download when I remember. So I'm not going to give them more ratings. Screw those guys! <laughs> what
4: the hell, man? Come on, we're all friends here. We're all friends, except for those limeys over there across the water. Except for those guys. Uh, so you're even friends with those
3: other flea bags?
4: That was a joke. I yeah, love those guys th- across the water.
3: Yeah, those guys are hustle and grind UK.
4: Exactly. Yeah. So I mean.
3: Toby wouldn't what? read out my name when I had Hustle and
4: Grind UK listener.
3: <laughs> That's my patronage. Like, yeah, I'm not reading that. <laughs> uh,
4: they finally put out an episode yes uh, today. I haven't listened to it yet. I'm excited. Uh, I don't know if they were like taking January off or what, guys. Come on.
3: I know. Uh, anyway. I've, I've, I've got a brilliant name. I can't wait to listen to it. I'll listen to it tomorrow because i save it for the tractor.
4: gives me something oh, to listen to. Good. I don't think I. I think I forgot to change mine, so I'm gonna have to come up with something good. Maybe yours will inspire me. I'll listen to yeah, it. Yeah,
3: they they
1: called you out, Yuri.
4: Oh, jeez. Okay. All right. Here we go. <laughs> uh, we're gonna play some this or that. A little bit of this and a whole lot of that. Would you rather fly in a submarine or swim in an airplane? It. Would you rather be a reindeer? Would or you rather a surf a wave of Kool Aid? Yeah. Or snowboard on a mountain of dip and dive. Would you rather fly or be able to breathe the underwater? Do you prefer the ability to stick to walls or would you rather shoot spaghetti from your fingers? Here it is: this or that. Fast pace. There's only two choices here. You only get two options. There's no in betweens. Just like the Sith, we deal in absolutes. <laughs> thongs or ug boots. Ug boots. Hate thongs. Crocodile Dundee or Steve Irwin. Crocodile Dundee. Do you call it the Barbie or the Barbecue? Barbecue. Uh uh, 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 uh Drop bears or Hoot Snakes? Drop bears. That'll get you. <laughs> Do you usually say G'day mate? Or how you going?
3: It depends on who I'm addressing. It could be gay cunt or g'day fucker. If that's my boss at work or yeah. G'day when I'm at a show or has gone depends on how old they are. Okay. Yeah. Well, that
4: wasn't, that wasn't binary like it was supposed to be, but thank you for that explanation. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't even know what to say here. Hang on. Um, <laughs> Would you rather play Aussie rules football played with a giant Vegemite jar instead of a ball or rugby with inflatable wombats?
3: Rugby. Have you tried to kick a jar of anything?
4: That's a good point. That's a good point. All right. Um, Would you rather ride a kangaroo to work or drive on the correct side of the road?
3: I already drive on the correct side of the road. So yeah, kangaroo. Those things are scary. I've i got a story about kangaroo later.
4: Okay. Well, here we go kangaroo boxing tournaments or emu racing championships?
3: Yeah, I'm fucked either way. <laughs>
4: <laughs> As a okay. spectator sport, spectator sport here emu emus are stupid.
3: They all right, it, it would be hilarious. They are stupid.
4: A barbecue with koalas as chefs or a seafood dinner prepared by a talking shrimp?
2: Koala. Barbecue with a koala.
4: All right. Uh, Would you rather go to the Great Barrier Reef with an underwater dance party or the Sydney Opera House, but it was turned into a giant slide?
3: Yeah. Sydney Opera House, because no one on earth has ever looked at that and gone, what would it be like if I could slide down that? That's just instant.
4: Uh, would you rather go out back camping with a tent made of Vegemite sandwiches or stay in a, a city luxury hotel with all the rooms shaped like giant Vegemite jars?
3: Camping with Vegemite sandwich as a tent. Just too many people in the city.
4: Bondi Beach or Uluru. Uluru. I actually said that right? Wow. what? Okay. All right. You know what? That's good enough. Okay. There we go. That was this or that. What the hell is Uluru? It kept coming up when my like Australia searches.
3: Um, so it's a giant rock formation that basically comes out of nowhere, basically in that- the middle of Australia. It's very much connected to the First Nation peoples here. So it once upon a time was called Ayers Rock. Um, and you could you could climb up it and that kind of thing. Um, now that it's yeah, it's been renamed to Uluru, I believe. I Can't remember if there's another. I think there might be another name. I can't remember. Um, so and kind yeah, of a
4: tourist destination type thing, then basically. Or- yeah, yeah,
3: um, but yeah, no, there is that very spiritual connection to to country and and First Nations people with it, so it's quite important to them. Um, and yeah, it literally. Comes out of nowhere, and it's not like a, a gradual, you know, thing as you'd go up a mountain. It's just a massive wall.
4: There, <laughs> I have to Google this now. Yeah. All right. Okay. So we did this or that. Now we got to hear your kangaroo story.
3: Um. So so I moved to to the Riverland to help out with a, a wildlife park up here. Um. The dude uh, known as the Barefoot Bushman, Rob Bradham, and he was basically closing down shop and he was getting rid of various animals, sending them off to other, you know, wildlife parks and stuff like that. And I was quite a bit younger. So I was 25, 24, something like that. And we were in this big enclosure, sort of free range enclosure with deer, um, some kangaroos, geese and stuff like that. And they caught everything else except this kangaroo. Now, this kangaroo is is what we call a big red male kangaroo. He stood six and a half foot tall before standing up on his tail. He was a he is a big motherfucker, and they had been trying to catch him all day. And they'd take breaks because he's you know he's getting stressed and hot and that kind of thing, and sort of giving him him space, but coming back to him. And I turned up and they went, oh, Ben, you're a lot faster. Can you give give the next go to try catch this kangaroo? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like I'm here trying to, you know, I'm the fastest like take this kangaroo. <laughs> you know. So I got given, and I didn't think it through. I got given this, I'll say fishing net. You know that you scoop the fish out of out of the water when you catch them on a boat. To catch a kangaroo. But a big one. So we're talking like you know, and they're like, here, have this. Uh, I could probably put it over myself, you know, fine. And I'm like, oh, yeah, too easy. He's big net. And, um, yeah, I've run up against his kangaroo and I've managed to sort of, like, spook him. So he didn't really know what was going on. I got close enough where as he t- sort of took off, I was running and I managed to get this net over the top. Cool. Except he jumped and went through not the whole way through, just enough that he then got caught up in the rest of it and he's taking off and I'm being dragged behind him sort of holding onto this net, not letting go. <laughs> this thing's jumping and he's tripped, he's tumbled, he's fallen, and I've jumped on top of him. <laughs> I don't want him to get up and, you know, he's already hot and, you know, stressed and all that kind of stuff. Like I want to get this thing over and done with. I've called my mate over and He's probably about 500 metres away at, at the ute um, and he's come over and he's gone to he, – he's come up to me, he's walked up to me quite casually and I'm sitting on this thing that's and it's – you know when you corner an animal and you sort of catch them and they like hiss and, and froth at you? Like if they could get up, you're dead. And I've gone – I've got him. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. I'll hang on a sec. I'll be back in a sec. And he's walked off back to the u, casually, mind you, like really casual. And this this thing's struggling; it's trying to get its 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 legs back into position to give me a good kick. And now these things kick hard; they will gut you if they get a good kick on you. And he's walked back, still real casual, like with a needle. So he's going to basically knock him out and you know for transport. And he's gone to to jab this kangaroo, and he's gone. Ah, oh, shit. That's no good. What The fuck are you talking about? It's no good. This thing's still rithering, you know, s- squirming and huffing at me. I'm like, yeah, I'm fucked. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. And he's walked back to the ute. Oh, he's gone. Sorry. Yeah, the, the needle broke. Fuck, do you mean the needle broke? <laughs> I was, I'm just, again, no, I'm going to, I got more in the ute. So I'm sitting here on this thing for like 20 minutes and he's casually just, yep, stick this needle in, in, in this kangaroo and, yeah few minutes later the kangaroo's gone to sleep and you know giving him up sort of a bit of a wash down to help cool him down that kind of thing and yeah <laughs> picked him up and carried him to the ute and off he went <laughs> the wow. next thing was the american alligator where, oh. where yeah yeah oh i might as well add on to this because yeah it follows fires on is the best day Why not? You know? so this american alligator his name's eric um we used to, to shoot feral cats and feeding carp and the old fox that we'd shoot out on the property, and um, it went into to try and catch him, and uh, we we couldn't like we couldn't figure out where he was. And I've I've taken a step back, and all of a sudden I'm in the ground, but it's wet and there's something very hard underneath my foot, and it's moved. Um, oh, Eric, shit. The 15-foot American alligator has made himself a burrow outside of his enclosure, mind you. And I have just fallen through and landed on his back and he's trying to work out what the fuck has just landed on top of him from above. (laughs) (laughs) He's come roaring out of the the entrance of his hole, managed to catch him quite happily and and away he went. But, yeah, I've never been more terrified in my entire life in, in one day. Two near-death wow.
4: experiences. A 15-foot alligators uh, yeah. that's not anything to sniff at. No, no, he was a big
3: boy. So, yeah. Um, we couldn't keep um, our crocodiles here. It gets too cold, unfortunately.
4: Gotcha. Okay, that yeah. was going to be my question. I was like, I was kind of surprised that you guys had an American alligator when you guys have all those crocs down there. That seems strange. but
3: Yeah, no, that, that's probably one of the, the great things. So I do not I can go swimming in the Murray River. That's, you know. A short walk away, and I don't have to worry about bull sharks, um, weird fish that will try and eat me, um, crocodiles. I have to worry about snakes sometimes. A couple of snakes. Drop bears. No, I'm Australian, so drop bears don't don't bother me at all. They. Oh,
4: that's right. Yeah. I yeah. Forgot.
3: Tourists. They're easier to scare. We. It's, yeah. It's just something you're born with. Um, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm, I'm lucky in that aspect Yeah, I don't have to worry about crocodiles Go up north and I've got to worry about crocodiles If I go in the river, if I go in the ocean Yeah Walking down the main street
4: <laughs> so, Sounds like a dangerous place But uh, I'm glad you don't have to worry about that um, So lastly before we go um, I'm just going to get this out of the way here We uh, We haven't talked about uh, baker fortune tool yet and they are uh one more sponsor that we have on this show here um baker fortune tool as i mean if you listen to the show you probably know who they are they make some of the coolest um copper bronze just any any kind of ridiculous type of damascus that you could come up with they make it um and so I can't remember what they're dropping this week. Ah, oh, man. This is where Ryan usually comes in. See, Ryan's not I here. I can tell you
1: because uh, I just got what? their email newsletter. Oh, and my gosh. It is, bring him to the rescue. It is Apex Ultra Copper My. How so can I forget? Not only do How you get forget? the awesome Apex Ultra, which is the Ultra Steel, um, it's, it's infused with copper. Or not infused, but forged. So that's going to be pretty sweet.
4: And if you listen to the show, you know exactly what Apex Ultra is. But if this is maybe the first time you're listening, Apex Ultra is the ultimate carbon steel. Um, go back and listen to any of the episodes where we've had Tobias Hangler on. He is one of the, um, the makers of Apex Ultra. And he and um, his compatriots basically developed this steel to be the best possible steel, specifically for culinary knives, things that have like a thin edge geometry. This steel is going to perform better than pretty much any other carbon steel. And I have a bar of it. I'm excited to use it. Um, and the fact that you can get it from Baker Forge and tool with some amazing cladding on the sides of it, not only are you going to get a beautiful knife, but you're going to get one of the best usable knives that you could possibly imagine. Um, that's when I heard that they were going to be getting some, I kind of figured that this was going to happen at some point. So I wasn't super surprised when I saw Koi announce it. Um, so yeah, super exciting uh, to be able to get that. So check out their website. Um, I don't know if it's dropped yet, but
2: Let's when it see. does,
4: you can you can they usually do their drops on Saturdays. Um, so, but you can use code Hustle Ten and get ten percent off of that bar. Um, it's probably not going to be one of their less expensive drops because Apex Ultra ships all the way from Austria. I mean, there's all kinds of costs associated with that, um, and then of course you know are special processes to um, to forge that and then surface grind all of them. So all their bars, I think um, since they started doing that have been surface ground with a nice clean finish. So you don't have to worry about forge scale or anything like that. And the bars that you're getting. Um, so yeah, definitely go check out Baker forging tool. Use code hustle 10. If you're buying a sweet bar Damascus, it's going to be, a good chunk of change off of it with that code. So also off,
1: congratulations to Koi and the boys over there for getting high County's small business of the year award. So yeah, pretty cool. Small business for the win. Good job, boys. Yeah. I
4: mean, we're I'm, all about small business.
3: I'm really hopeful that Coy um, can work out how to get gator piss made in powdered form. Cause at the moment, trying to get hold of that here in Australia is impossible. Um, everyone who's looked into getting it over here it can't be done. It Well, it can be, but it is extremely difficult and the cost would be astronomical.
4: Yeah, prohibitively expensive is, is the word that comes to mind when talking about shipping certain liquids yep. overseas. And that is a real bummer.
3: Yeah, um, and yeah, we... We do get Baker Forge and Tool Steel here. Again, it is super expensive. Um, so every time I sort of look at it, I, there is a tinge of jealousy. However, I'm I am kind of lucky. I have Oblivion Blades Steel. Uh, his Sanmai my stuff, which is which is excellent. He doesn't do typically do Damascus like Koi uh, does. He does Sanmai. my. Um, and, yeah, he'll use uh, 52100 Aogami uh, Super, I think it is, Blue 2. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, uh, sort of stuff like that. So um, he has done a few bits with Apex Ultra. So, but, yeah, trying to, yeah, can... to get some.
4: That's the, su- that's the thing that just sucks is anything that's going to be shipped um, overseas like that, the cost just adds up and up and up. So, That is one benefit that we have here in the States of, you know, our boys. uh, They're not, are they in Tennessee, Brigham? Or no, they're over in, um, they're they're in Tennessee. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. So yeah, um, that definitely makes life a little bit easier for us. uh, Getting stuff shipped a little bit easier. Um, And
1: and let me put out a little bit of warning. If you're going to try to be cautious and not melt that, that copper core, don't go too low like I did. Okay. Mm. Trust your forge and, and your eyeball do it correctly or don't be a cheap state. Get a, get a proper heat treating kiln like I need to do, but heat, it's
4: good stuff. You know, it's I, beautiful. <laughs> I certainly haven't regretted getting my heat treating kiln. It was, it was worth the money. And, um, I'll definitely be getting another bigger one at some point as well. Um, so anyways, guys, we're uh, an hour 10 here. Is there anything else either one of you gentlemen would like to talk about on the main show before we head over to an after show?
3: I would just like to quickly shout out some some Australian makers that I think America would like to see. Um, so production-wise, you, you've got um, DB Blades who actually goes in, over to uh, Blade Show in Atlanta um he does a lot of uh, edc blades nitro v i think is his one of his main steels. um and then you've got the dark horse forge she does some fantastic edc sort of uh, stuff along with uh sort of filling in knives and stuff like that um hold on a sec um and no yeah you've got so, some of the really good wood boys so america um, if you guys want to play around with uh, some Australian timbers, um, Otway Timbers is, is one really good bloke who does stuff in Gidgee, uh, Tasmanian Blackwood, um, Tasmanian Myrtle as well. All, pretty much all of it stabilized. Gidgee may, may not be, um, but absolutely fantastic sort of, sort of stuff there. Um, anyone who's into kitchen knives besides myself, um, Rob Semler I've I butchered his last name um, the Wolf Forge I think off the top of my head um, he uses a, a lot of uh, Oblivion Blades steel and again anyone wanting to play with other steels made not just uh, Baker Forge and tool stuff Oblivion Blades um, he's part of uh, eating.com uh, or is it Chef's Edge uh, lineup? The eating which tools? is a yeah that's yeah that yeah eating tools i'm pretty sure um which is pretty prestigious you you need to have a high quality um yeah they reject a lot so yeah this just a few guys just to dip your toes into to australian sort of knives and knife making and yet yeah, Flynn sharp like i said at the beginning of the show is is another good one but yeah if anyone sort of ever has questions about Australian knife making um, or knife timbers from here in Australia or, you know, for making wooden spoons, even send me a message, Um, hit me up on on Instagram and, you know, I love talking.
4: Yeah. That is one thing that uh, our listeners should know is that, you know, I I didn't know a lot about different types of Australian wood um, until I had talked to you. I think Gigi was probably the only one that I had heard of. but. Then you were talking to me about it. I learned about budgeru and myrtle, and there was a couple others that I'd never even heard of, and I found pictures of, and they're incredibly beautiful. I, I because of you, I actually have a block of um, Gigi that I'm gonna try and use soon. Um, but there's you know just a, a huge variety of different different types of woods that here in the United States, we most of us, or at least myself, haven't heard of or seen much of
3: yeah and the, the from what i've been able to to learn um one of the hardest timbers in the world is is one of the, an australian timber called bullock um which which pops up occasionally again it's a, a timber that you you'd stabilize for security reasons you know just so then you can go yep that is stable it's not gonna really move at all but you know you can get away with using it raw Sorry, my family's just come back from Mildura. So <laughs> my five year olds decided that, yeah, mm-hmm. that coming it's to say hi good. to dad is the, is, is the thing to do. <laughs> no, no worries, man. Good. We love
4: it. We're all yeah. about families. Right on, man. Well, cool. So, yeah. So, if anybody has any uh, questions about Australian hardwoods or Australian knife makers, Ben Cuts Knife Works on Instagram. Uh, and just, you know, shoot him some love. Tell him tell him you enjoyed uh, listening to him on the podcast. Brigham, always a pleasure. Is there anything you want to say on the main show before we head on over?
1: Thanks for having me on. I love being with <laughs> you guys. And, Ben, it's, it's awesome to, to talk to you. I, I hear your name a lot. And, uh, you know, keep up the good work, man. I'm, I'm looking at all your knives, and I, I love your style. So, yeah,
3: awesome, Thank man. you very much. Yeah, it's like I said – before the show, you know, your royalty, like I've I've heard your name across three four, four podcasts. You uh, know, work for it. This one here, whoop. Fire and Steel, and that one with those those flea bags, um Knife Talk. <laughs> knife Talk, that's the one.
0: Yeah.
3: With Mareko, who's absolutely brilliant too. I've I've he actually makes me realise that I know more than actually I thought I did, which is brilliant.
4: Yeah, he's a great dude, man. It was great to have him on when, when he came on here. He's a super awesome guy and incredibly knowledgeable. So that was uh, that was a great episode. So Yeah, the, the knowledge is, is fantastic. All right, guys. Well, hey, thanks for listening. Uh, we're going to head on over to an after show. If you are a patron of the Hustle & Grind podcast, you're going to get to listen to that show. Uh, I haven't read your guys' names out in a while, and uh yeah, here by myself. No, a- Ryan. So... I don't even know what the list looks like. So I probably wouldn't by the sound of what you're saying. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> uh, thank you to all of the lovely people who support us on, on Patreon, Um, And for, you know, as little as $1 a month, you can help support what we do here. And we really appreciate every one of you guys um, that do that. And uh, we'll talk to you in just a minute when we head on over to an after show. Hope you guys have a great working week. Uh, Keep hustling and keep on grinding. We'll catch you next time.
0: Bye.